As I said today, we are concluding our series from the book of Philippians, which is known as the book of what? Book of joy. Book of joy. As you know, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter from a prison. And it's kind of very unlikely, you know, somebody can write a letter from the prison and be joyful as Paul is. And yet he was full of joy because he chose to be happy. He chose to be happy. Happiness, uh, you know, is the habit you must choose to develop. That's what we learned from, from Paul. Happiness is the habit you must choose to develop. Happiness is a result of habitually doing, saying, and thinking the right things. And unhappiness, on the other hand, is a result of habitually doing, saying, and thinking the wrong things. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a matter of choice. Now, when you get up this morning, you have some choice. You could have said, this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Or some of you maybe said it differently. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will be miserable and sad in it. Did any of you said that? I hope not. I hope not. Because we want to rejoice because this is the day the Lord has made. We have no guarantee that we will have tomorrow. But today is ours. And so the psalmist says, this is the day the Lord has made. And I'm going to rejoice. That's the choice I'm making. I will rejoice. And I will be glad on this day. So in this final chapter of Philippians, chapter 4, Paul shows us four things. Four things we can do to choose happiness in our daily lives. Now, if you've got a sermon outline, so you can follow that with me, or you've got a Bible open to Philippians chapter 4, you can um, open your Bible and, and follow this, uh, these four things that we're going to share this morning. First choice you make toward happiness is you must choose to resolve conflicts. You must choose to resolve conflicts. You see, happiness and conflict, they don't go together. Have you ever been happy when you are in conflict with somebody? Anybody here? No. I'll be miserable if I'm, I'm in conflict with somebody. I'm certainly miserable. I can't sleep in the night. You know, I can't have, I can't, even if, you know, I watch a, you know, funny movies or something, I still can't laugh because it doesn't come. I feel miserable. Now, Paul said in chapter 4, verse 2, this is the first thing he said. I plead with Yodia and I plead with the syndicate to agree with each other in the Lord. Now, apparently, these two individuals in the church didn't get along with each other. Okay? We are not sure exactly what was the conflict, but it was big enough that Paul felt the need to mention these two by name. Well, that's the only place you see their name. There's nowhere else in the New Testament you see their name mentioned. It's the only time. Now, this conflict is causing disunity and disharmony in the church. You know, conflict and worship don't go together either. Worship and conflict never go together. That's why Jesus said, when you come to church to worship, and then suddenly you remember that there is a conflict you have with someone in the church, you should straight away go to that person and deal with that conflict, resolve that conflict, then come and worship the Lord. So if you come to the church to offer a gift to God and offer a gift of worship, and then suddenly you realize there is a conflict. You must go and resolve that conflict before you can come.
come and worship the Lord. How many of us? Truly, we come to church every Sunday and we have conflict with other people, but, you know, and then we just, you know, pretend to worship God. It doesn't work, my friend. It doesn't work that way. You really need to resolve the conflict if you truly want to enjoy worship with the Lord. You see, because you cannot truly engage in worship if you have unresolved conflict in your life. You know, 99% of our conflicts can be resolved if you are willing to make an effort to take the step toward reconciliation. 99%, I think. Paul tells these two individuals to agree with each other. And then he uses a phrase, which is really interesting. He uses the phrase, in the Lord. If you've got, you got a Bible or um, outline, just to circle that. In the Lord. To remind them who they are, who they belong to, and who they are living for. You see, in other words, he's saying, you are a Christian, act like one. Sometimes we need to hear that, isn't it? You are a Christian, act like one. Don't just go around and say you are a Christian and you act like you are not. Settle this dispute quickly and get on with your life. And that's what Paul is saying to these two people. Settle this dispute quickly and get on with your life. So if you are in conflict with someone, let me remind you that your life is in the Lord you belong to him. You are called to be like Jesus Christ. That means you should let go of your conflict. Maybe it is a family member. Maybe it is your spouse. Maybe it is a friend. Maybe someone you go to church with. Or maybe someone you work with. You can easily resolve it if you are willing to take the step toward reconciliation. Solomon said, look at what Solomon said. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 3, Solomon said, it is to a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. If you are a quarrelsome person, that's a word for you. There's no point, you know, you can, you can get rid of a lot of unhappiness. You can get rid of a lot of unhappiness in your life if you just make an effort to diffuse your disputes and disharmony in your life. There's no point in allowing a little dispute to destroy your happiness. And it happens to all of us, isn't it? There's a little things happen. Somebody said something, or somebody looked at a certain way, somebody did not say hello to us, or somebody, you know, you know, cut us off in the traffic. You know, all kinds of things. And those little things can really destroy the happiness in our lives. So here's a second way you can choose to be happy. Remember to pray about everything. Remember to pray about everything. Paul said in verse 2, verse 6. Let's read this uh, verse together, please. It's a very great verse. Let's read this one. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It is hard to be happy when you are worried and anxious about every little thing. The good news is that you don't have to be worried, anxious about little things. You don't have to live in a constant state of uncertainty in your life. That's what some people are. They're constantly worrying about things. They're constantly worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. 
They worry about the past, they worry about the future, they worry about the present. Constantly, that's all they talk about. You know, what's happened? You know, if I go to Chinese restaurant and eat food, maybe I get coronavirus, you know? Maybe I would. I go to Pizza Hut, what happened? Maybe too much cheese, you know, that can cause trouble in my stomach, I don't know. So we worry about all those things. We don't know some, for some people, they have the, they have the, they have the concern. Constantly living with this uncertainty in, in life. Why? Because we know we don't need to live like that. Because we know that God is in control. We know that he has a plan and purpose for our lives. We know that nothing will happen in our lives that he can't handle. Even though we don't know exactly how things are going to work out, and even though things sometimes don't work out the way we want to be, but we do have the privilege of putting everything into the hands of God. Everything into the hands of God. Do you do that? Do you think that, you know, maybe God is not, you know, so much worried about little things in our lives, he's only worried about the big, big things? You know? If you are worried about little things, God is also concerned about that. So don't let the little things in life, you know, take you into more worries and struggles and anxiety in your life. Give it in the hands of God. Knowing that he is in control of every situation in your life. And that everything will work out for the best, ultimately. That's why Paul said that we should pray about everything. When you pray about everything, you know what happened? You worry about nothing. You notice that? When you pray about everything, then you worry about nothing. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. All means everything. Every little thing that we worry about, just give it to God. I mean, just imagine if somebody is out there taking the things for us. Don't you think that it's better to give it to that person rather than just worrying about it? If God says, you know, just give everything to me, let me take care of that, then why do we have to carry it? That is a silly thing to do, to carry the worries when God says, you know, give it to me. I will deal with that. One way that you choose happiness is by choosing to give everything to God and trusting him to take care of the details. Paul says when you pray about everything, the result is this. Look what, what the result that he talks about in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. This is what it says. When you pray about everything, when you give everything in the hands of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart's and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, that's what brings joy in our lives. When we give everything to God, when we pray about everything, when we worry about nothing, the God will bring the peace of God in our lives. Have you ever experienced that? You know, I, I'm like everybody else. I, I worry about sometimes, you know, even little things. But often that is because I don't really take everything to God. But when I do that, when I take everything to God and I submit to God, you know, I find God's peace comes into my life. You know, God brings that peace into your life. It says, Matthew, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. 
We need to do that, my friends. Even now, right now, some of you are just worried about so many things in your life. And you need to give it to God, my friend. Let him worry about it. Let him take control of that. You don't need to worry about the little things in your life. Now here's the third way you can choose to be happy. You must learn to renew your thinking. You must learn to renew your thinking. Paul said in verse 8, let's read this verse together please. This is a great verse to read. Okay, let's read it to read. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, happy people don't have necessarily better lives than unhappy people. Do you know that? It is that happy people tend to focus on better things. As someone said, we don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. Robert Louis Stevenson, you may have heard his name, is the author of Treasure Island. Has spent much of his life struggling with various health issues. Constantly. In spite of this, he remained very optimistic in his life. He was a very optimistic man. One day when he was really coughing and he was, fever was very high and he was so sick and his wife said to him, are you still positive about life? And this is what he said to his wife. Listen to what he said. He said, I will never allow a row of medicine bottles to block my horizon. I will never allow a row of medicine bottles to block my horizon. You see, unhappy people, listen to me, unhappy people always have something blocking their horizon. Blocking their horizon. A health problem, a relationship problem, a financial problem, a failed expectations. It prevents us from being happy. It's blocking our horizon. See, the fact is that we have those things in our lives. We all have those things in our lives. Any of us could choose to focus on our problems if you want to be, isn't it? Man, I've got so many problems that I can focus on if I want to. We all have, isn't it? Hello? Or I'm the only one who has a problem. We all have problems, isn't it? And we can, at any day, we can actually choose. You know, I can, I can just pick up just hundreds of problems that I, I face each day, and I can take each one of them, and I can... You know, worry about that. All, all of us can do that. But if you want to be happy, this is what you're talking about. The Bible says if you want to be happy, develop the habit of changing your thinking. Change your thinking. Renew your mind. And let's look at a couple of examples how we can do this. I don't have the time actually to go through the whole thing what Paul is saying, but I just want to, just to see how this couple of things from this verse that we can apply. And then you can go and actually do the rest of them, okay? Paul said, we should think about whatever is true. Okay, now when you are going through a difficult situation, take a moment to ask yourself, what do I know to be true right now in this situation? What do I know to be true right in this situation? The answer is that maybe in spite of the circumstances, I know that God loves me, that is the truth. I know that he is with me, that is the truth. I know that he will work through things together for my good. That is true. And so on and on and on. So look for what is the truth. That's what Paul said. What? Whatever is true. 
So when you start analyzing that way, then you suddenly find out it's not all bad. Because I know there are some truth in there that will help you to understand. So, so the answer is that in spite of the circumstances, I know that God loves me and he cares for me. Paul said, let's take another example from here. Paul said, think about whatever is right. So make it a habit to ask yourself, what is right in my life right now? Maybe the answer is, I've got a job. I've got friends. I've got a family. I've got my health. I've got this. I've got that. I'm saying that instead of thinking about what is wrong with your life, think about what is right with your life. Can you see? You can take each one of those eight things, actually Paul mentioned in that verse. You can take each of those eight things Paul mentioned there and start changing, renewing your thinking this way. That's how, you know, we meditate on God's word. Rather than just reading and, you know, memorize that and just forget about that. But when meditating God's word is that we take it out and keep thinking, you know, how this can renew my thinking. Renew my thinking. Now Paul is saying, if you want your life to be happy, choose to be happy. Choose to think good, th- good thoughts instead of thinking about whatever is wrong or bad or ugly or depressing or vulgar. Think about what is good. Think about what is good. Okay, here's the fourth way you can choose to be happy. That is, rejoice in what you have. Rejoice in what you have. The fact is, most people are not happy with what they have in life. Would you agree with that? We focus on what we don't have, and that can make our lives miserable. Hello? Am I true what I'm saying? Yes, would you agree with that? Because you know why? Because we are always comparing with what other people have. Isn't it? Oh, she's got a really good husband. <laughs> He's got a really great wife. You know? They go holidays every year. When's the last time you took me for a holiday? <laughs> Comparison. You know, and you know, it's constantly we are comparing ourselves with somebody else. And that is a cause for unhappiness, my friend. Because you, you, you can never keep up with the Johns. Hello? But you can't. You buy a new car and he will go and buy a, a better car than you. So you'll never be able to keep up with other people. So we need to learn to be happy with what we have. But if you learn to be content and appreciate what we already have, it can bring a lot of happiness in our lives. Don't you think so? Look at what Paul said here in verse 11. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned to be content. And then he goes on to say, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed, hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do, this is important. Can we, say, can we read that verse together, please? I can do everything through him who gives me strength. 
You see, isn't that a great attitude to embrace in our lives? You know, when we are sitting there and comparing ourselves with other people, what other people have, and when we miss out on appreciating what we have in our lives, we have so many things in our lives, my friends. And if you start counting your blessings, name them one by one, it will surprise you. We need to do that. Sometimes we need to take a stock of our life and say, man, so much I can thank God for. I don't have to think about what the neighbor has. God has already blessed me so much in this lucky country we are living. Man, thank God. We can thank God for so many things in our lives. So today, I want to encourage you to take a look where you are in this moment of time. Right now. And make a choice and say, this is good enough for me. I can be happy right here in this situation. You see, does that mean we forget about the idea of bettering ourselves or bettering our situations? Of course not. But that is the difference between complacency and contentment. Let me show you what is the difference between complacency and contentment. Can you put that up there, please? Complacency, complacency say, I will accept what I have and I won't try any harder for anything better. That's what complacency say. But contentment says, listen to this, even though I haven't yet fulfilled all my dreams, I can fully appreciate and fully enjoy this moment in my journey. That's, what, that's the difference between complacency and contentment. I'm encouraging you to look at your situation with the eyes of contentment, my friend. That's what I'm encouraging. Look at your situation with the eyes of contentment. Recognize the presence of God in the details of your life. Accept each day with a sense of gratitude in your life. Face each moment with a sense of assurance, knowing that no matter what the situation you're facing, you can endure it through Christ who gives you strength. I can do all things. I can do everything through the strength that God gives to me. If you want to be happy, stop focusing on what you want and focusing on what you have. What you have. Learn to live in the moment. Learn to live with an attitude of gratitude. The lesson that we need to learn from the book of Philippians is this. Let's put this up there. In this one. Happiness is not the result of pleasant circumstances, but the result of pleasant outlook on life. That's what Paul is teaching. Happiness is not the result of pleasant circumstances. It is the result of a pleasant outlook on life. A life of happiness, a life of joy, is a result of a choice that you make. A choice to be humble. A choice to be thankful. A choice to serve other people. A choice to put Jesus Christ in your life. As we celebrate this Australia Day today, take a moment to appreciate that God has given to you. The opportunity to live in this, you know, lucky country. The opportunity to have an education the opportunity to have a job, the opportunity to have a place to live, to have a church to belong to. There are many ways we can celebrate God's goodness in our last day. Let us pray.